Modern life. Between careers, kids, and health, it can be mayhem. That's why we're here. I'm Dr. Lisa Varghese-Kroll. And I'm Dr. Lonre Falusi. We're physicians, moms, and longtime friends who break it all down for you. Wondering how to juggle all the balls and still stay sane? Looking for advice but don't want to be overwhelmed? Curious about how to make the most out of life for your family but enjoy it at the same time? You're in the right place. Welcome to Health and Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. On this episode, we're talking about breastfeeding your baby. Why is breast milk important for babies and moms? What's the latest on COVID-19 and nursing recommendations? And we get real about the challenges of breastfeeding and how we can advocate for better laws to support nursing moms. Hey, Lisa, how's it going? Hey, Lon, doing well. Hard to believe my oldest kiddo is about to turn 11. Time flies. Oh my gosh, no <laughs> kidding. I remember when she was a baby. <laughs> I know. Yeah, and on that end of the pediatric spectrum, I've been seeing quite a few newborns in clinic lately and talking about breastfeeding and other infant care during COVID and how to, you know, get around all of that. I bet. I bet. I mean, it may have been 11 years since I first went through this, but you can't forget how much those first few mm-hmm. weeks of the baby, I mean, they bring so much joy, but they can also be really difficult. We listen, we totally get it because we have both been there. For me, with my first child, um, we did a combination of nursing and pumping. And with my second child, despite our best efforts, nursing was not effective. So I did pumping. Um, for both my babies, my supply was less than what they needed. So we supplemented with formula. So breastfeeding, pumping, bottles, we did it all and we support it all. Right. Yeah. And you know, every experience is so is so different. And even with like the same different children in the same family. <laughs> um, for me, with my first, um, we really struggled in the beginning. Um, and, you know, it was it was tough because like, yeah, I was like, I'm a pediatrician. I counsel <laughs> moms on breastfeeding. Why is this so hard? Because um, it is more difficult than than it looks, I think. And when you go through it. Um, so it took some time, probably maybe you know six, eight weeks into it. I, we got into a good groove and um, was able to um, to kind of go from there. And we did supplement in the beginning for the same reason. You know, my supply was low or we had latching issues. But after a couple of months, it got easier. Then we were able to nurse and pump until she was about 15 months old. Um, but still, you know, the pumping was a challenge, let's say, <laughs> trying to pump at work and, you know, balancing all of that. Um, with my second child, for some reason, it was easier. She either she just got it, you know, more easily or, um, you know, maybe it was you know, not my first time. So I was more comfortable with it. But who knows? Honestly, I think a lot of it boiled down to just being fortunate that we had the like support and probably a whole lot of luck. So, <laughs> so that's why we're talking about this. I think it's pretty amazing and, and pretty inspiring to talk about what breast milk is made up of. Um, so it's composed of several things, water, carbohydrates, proteins, vitamins, and lipids or fats, all of which are basic nutrients essential for babies to grow. And it also has cells that help build a baby's immune system prebiotics, which are a type of complex sugar that helps support the good bacteria in a baby's gut, hormones that help regulate a baby's appetite and sleep, and antibodies that help protect a baby against certain bacteria and viruses. And one of the coolest things about breast milk is that the components of breast milk change as the baby ages. 
You may have heard of colostrum, the milk that's produced in the first few days after delivery. And this substance is high in antibodies to help protect a newborn and is very easy to digest. Over time, the milk becomes more rich in protein, natural sugars, fat, and vitamins and minerals. Breast milk adjusts to what a baby needs at each age. It's it's much like chocolate, wouldn't you agree? I find that chocolate has always given me what I've needed at every age. Every age, every stage, it, <laughs> it has never the spot. <laughs> let me down. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah, and I think that is so cool about breast milk that it's not it's not the same in the newborn period as it is in the six month. Um, for a six-month baby or 12 months. Um, and so and there are lots of, you know, benefits to breast um, to breast milk, whether that's um, pumped or, or feeding, um, you know, at the breast. So um, for the baby, um, breast milk has been linked to lower rates of illness, such as diarrhea or respiratory tract illnesses or ear infections, um, fewer urinary tract infections, UTIs, um, lower risk of sepsis, which is a blood infection, um, and lower rates of hospitalization in the first year of life, um, and even lower rates of infant death. Um, and then there's some studies that show that maybe um, babies who are breastfed have lower rates of obesity or cancer, type 1 diabetes, um, and they may have better vision and hearing and cognition. So those last few things, again, there's studies that um, they're still sort of equivocal, um, but we definitely um, have shown associations with like lower illnesses overall. And then for mom, there are benefits as well. Um, so uh, moms who um, breastfeed are more likely to have a faster recovery after childbirth. Um, and I'll put an asterisk on this, but there have been studies that shown that shown that there's a reduced risk of postpartum depression. So the caveat there is that you know if you have breastfeeding difficulties, that has actually been correlated with higher risk of postpartum depression. Um, but breastfeeding that's going well um, has been shown to reduce the risk of postpartum depression. Um, so, and if a mom is breastfeeding, then she may have longer postpartum anovulation. And that just means a longer period after you deliver um, that you are not likely to get pregnant again. Um, so also it's been associated with lower rates of um, cancer. So breast cancer, ovarian cancer, and endometrial cancers, lower risk of cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes. So there are all those um, potential health benefits. Um, And there's also monetary savings. So formula is estimated to cost about $1,000 a year. Um, And breast milk, you know, we talk about the cost of time, sure, (laughs) whether you're (laughs) nursing or pumping, you know, your, your, your time is money in some way, but um, it's not, you know, cash that you're paying out upfront is with formula. Um, And breastfed babies have on average about a little for $300 less in medical bills due to decreased rates of illness. Um, And then some studies have also shown that moms who breastfeed have faster weight loss. Um, And that's a maybe too, because, you know, breastfeeding can also maybe increase your appetite. So some people, um, you know, and maybe myself was one of them, might overcompensate or if you're eating enough lactation cookies, that faster (laughs) weight loss may not quite pan out. Even if you're not breastfeeding. Even if you're not breastfeeding. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the recommendations for breastfeeding. So um, professional and scientific organizations like the World Health Organization and the American Academy of Pediatrics recommend exclusive breastfeeding up to six months of age and then continuing after. 
So, um, and at that point, you're starting solid foods as well. So um, supplementing the breast milk with, with solid foods. Um, so many of these organizations encourage, you know, starting solid foods at that age, um, but then also continuing breastfeeding until the baby is at least one year old. And certainly some women choose to continue breastfeeding beyond one year of age. There are a few circumstances in which breastfeeding is contraindicated, um, so discouraged um, due to a mom's illness or with certain medications. So as always, you know, talk with your doctor or your baby's doctor if you have any questions or concerns about whether or not you should be breastfeeding. So, you know, despite all these benefits, there's a significant drop in breastfeeding in the first three months of life. And that's due to a number of challenges. Um, CDC data uh, on infants born in 2015 showed that four out of five women started out breastfeeding after delivery. And this high percentage of babies who start out breastfeeding shows that most mothers want to breastfeed and are trying to do so. Almost half were exclusively breastfeeding at three months but only one third of infants were breastfeeding at 12 months. So let's talk about why. So one of the reasons is inadequate support at home and work. If family members discourage or won't assist a new mother with breastfeeding, she's much less likely to continue with it. And similarly, if she has to return to work and there's no precedent for supporting nursing mothers there and there's no assistance from her employer, then it can be almost impossible to continue breastfeeding. In the U.S., a quick return to work for mothers is the norm, and that can impact milk production. Another challenge is that there aren't enough international board-certified lactation consultants, or IBCLCs, um, for each nursing mother who wants that support. And there aren't even uh, the friends or family in the community who used to serve this role. In our show notes, we'll include a link um, on finding an IBCLC, uh, and our show notes are at HippocraticHost.com. Another challenge is that it may be difficult to find a doctor with sufficient training. Uh, Some pediatricians have been trained more than others in the area of lactation. And related to that point is the presence of bias or assumptions. Uh, Healthcare workers may assume that some women don't want to breastfeed without actually asking them. There have been studies showing that black women in particular are less likely to be offered lactation support or an option to room in with their baby after delivery and are more likely to be offered pacifiers and formula early on. And there are disparities also with Latina and Native American mothers. And then there's always guilt, both from others and internalized guilt. I know that while my husband and family were supportive of me, in that postpartum hormonal haze, mm-hmm. it was really painful to see some of the things that people post online, you know, vilifying mothers who bottle feed or attacking mm-hmm. mothers who pump at work or breastfeed in public. Um, some women may feel guilt that breastfeeding a baby is taking them away from their older children. So, you know, if there's one thing we have no shortage of, it's sources of guilt. Right. <laughs> Sad but true. So, and, you know, with that, there are like lots of, you know, cultural systemic changes that need to happen for breastfeeding to be considered welcome or for women to feel like they're, you know, successfully meeting their breastfeeding goals, whatever that may be. And I think the biggest one is paid leave. So that's both maternity leave and paternity leave. So, you know, there is no federal family leave policy in the United States. Let's remind ourselves of that. There's a huge gap there. So many other countries provide three or four months or six months or even one year or longer of paid family leave after a baby is born. 
Um, But only half of first-time mothers in the U.S. get paid family leave through their jobs. That's pretty shocking, isn't it? It it is. It is. And it's shocking because, you know, having longer leave has been associated with reduced infant mortality, which is huge, and higher rates of immunization and higher participation in the baby's checkups. So if you are drawn to advocate for paid family leave policies, um, if we think that's fantastic, and we'll provide a link in the show notes at HippocraticHost.com for a nonprofit group that's called Zero to Three. Um, on their website, they have talking points and social media graphics and fact sheets that you can use to help advocate for paid family leave. And some of these are things that you can like quickly post on your social media um, and doesn't take a whole lot of time, all the way to talking points that you can use to call your legislator to help to advocate for these policies. And then, of course, Lisa talked about support at home. You know, it's it's so difficult in those first few weeks, especially um, again with the hormonal changes and the fatigue and you know, you're like torn in so many different places. You know, I have 10 minutes while the baby sleeps. Should I, I don't know, go to the bathroom or eat or drink some water? <laughs> but not or both. Do the laundry because you can't do it all, right? So, um, so there, you know, there really does need to be some support at home from family members or, you know, from friends or others to, um, for a new mom to really be able to kind of like focus on breastfeeding and, um, and try to make that work. Um, but then also support really if, you know, on whatever the mom's breastfeeding goals are, whether that's a specific amount of time or to have, you know, maybe part of the feeding be breast milk and part maybe be supplemented by formula um, because of supply issues or whatever it may be. The bottom line is really having that support um, for for every woman um, as she sort of goes through this journey um, and then thinking about, you know, our workspaces um, and in public and supporting moms as well. Um, you know, I've seen um, women who are, you know, breastfeeding in a restaurant and, um, you know, and someone comes over and just like gives her a glass of water or, you know, just kind of like you know, letting women know that it is welcome and, and natural to be able to breastfeed your baby. Absolutely. So, you know, our tips for new parents One of the big ones is knowing the laws about pumping at work, what you have to back you up. Um, The Affordable Care Act requires an employer to provide reasonable break time for an employee to express breast milk for her nursing child for one year after the child's birth each time such employee has need to express milk. The employer must also provide a place other than a bathroom for the employee to express breast milk. There are some exceptions, like with some small businesses, so we'll add a link in the show notes at HippocraticCoast.com for those details. And it's also important to know that all 50 states, the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, and the Virgin Islands have laws that specifically allow women to breastfeed in any public or private location. Absolutely. And so our second tip for new parents is um, tips on increasing your supply. So first, I think it's important to know that if your baby is growing well, and making an adequate amount of wet diapers and stools, then your supply is actually fine. Um, and and I think every everyone sort of sees on social media like, oh, I need to have that like freezer full, that stash of milk. <laughs> but that's not really realistic for everyone. So as long as baby's growing and peeing, pooping well, then then your supply is is just where it needs to be. Um, but of course, if you have any questions about that, you know, check with your child's pediatrician or with your OB or a lactation consultant. So if you are trying to increase your milk supply, number one, the most important thing is to take care of yourself. 
you know, a well-rested, hydrated, fed, low-stress body is more likely to produce milk than one that isn't. So I don't know about you, Lisa. I have yet to meet a mom of a newborn who's achieved that level of zen. <laughs> yeah, me either. <laughs> yeah, but at least aiming toward those goals is the best that we can do. Um, when it comes to fluids, getting about you know 13 eight-ounce cups or about 100 ounces of fluid a day is a good goal. Um, you don't need to you know specifically remember those numbers. An easy way to remember this is just to drink at least some water each time you nurse or pump and drink water with each meal or snack. Teas, soups, fruits, and other foods contain water. So if you're not feeling thirsty, don't feel like you have to force yourself to drink water. Um, and with foods, um, you know, eating when you're hungry is the best advice, even if it's not very specific advice. Um, so, But really, the reality is at times your body will tell you to eat more because your baby's going through a growth spurt and needs more calories. And other times you may not feel as hungry. So it's normal to feel those ups and downs. Um, so kind of listening to your body and drinking when your body is telling you that you're thirsty, eating when your body is telling you that you're hungry are ways to make sure that you have enough fluids and calories um, for the milk that you're producing. And of course, this is easier said than done, um, but rest when the baby sleeps. I know I got that advice when I was, you know, home with a newborn and thought, what are people talking about? Seriously. <laughs> again, when the baby sleeps, that's what I need to, you know, again, like go to the bathroom, eat, right. and do all those things. Um, but again, at least aiming for that. So even if you like you lay down for 30 minutes of that baby's hour nap or something along those lines, um, that just lets your body recharge for just at least a little while. Another tip for increasing your milk supply is to nurse or pump more frequently. And this is key because expressing milk triggers the body to make more. Um, and if you're not expressing as frequently, then your body thinks that maybe you don't need as much and you might see a dip in your supply. So nursing or pumping more frequently, what does that mean? So in the first few weeks, this might be every one and a half to two hours. And this sounds brutal and it can be, but hopefully is short term in those first few weeks. So if your baby is still learning to latch and to still learning to feed efficiently, you might also want to pump right after nursing um, if you feel like you haven't emptied out fully after that feed. And then the final tip for increasing your supply um, try to avoid artificial nipples like pacifiers and bottles. Um, this helps the baby to learn to latch efficiently at the breast. Now, the caveat is, again, of course, if your baby needs pumped breast milk or needs formula to maintain hydration or growth, then by all means, provide a bottle <laughs> if needed. Um, or if it's just like a little bit that you're trying to give, you can also try a dropper um, to provide that you know, extra breast milk or formula, whatever it may be. And then, you know, eventually breastfeeding comes to an end. So our tips for weaning whenever that's right for you is, you know, first of all, to remember that it's normal to have a mix of emotions with weaning. You might feel excitement at the freedom from scheduled feedings or pumping, and you might feel also sadness uh, or almost a feeling of grief. It is a personal decision as to when to wean. There are a lot of factors that go into that decision. Uh, work may be part of it or family factors. Sometimes your baby will decide for you. And it's normal if that's more painful for you than for them. And uh, it's also normal if weaning comes with a bit of relief. 
But if you've decided that it is time to wean and your baby hasn't just done it on, on his or her own, the way to do it is gradually, over a few weeks. Start by substituting one feed every week or so. You can go slower or faster depending on how your baby responds. And when it comes to what to substitute that feed with, it depends on your baby's age. So you might substitute with pumped breast milk or formula, or you might substitute with whole milk if your baby is over 12 months old. So, you know, what that means is that at the end of the day, breastfeeding is a personal choice. And women who are able to breastfeed and choose to do so need and deserve support. And women who are unable to breastfeed for whatever reason or those who choose formula, guess what? They also need and deserve support. (laughs) So we often hear, you know, breast is best because breast milk in most cases is the optimal nutrition for an infant. And we hear fed is best because, again, at the end of the day, what really matters is that the baby is fed with adequate nutrition to grow and thrive. So we are advocates of both ways of thinking and feel that they really shouldn't be pitted against one another. Um, but you can hold like both thoughts in your head and support women, um, especially new moms and in whatever path that they choose. Or um, perhaps those, again, as we said earlier, most women start breastfeeding, but then at three months and six months, it peters out because it is really difficult, whether that's cultural reasons or medical reasons, or again, every body and every baby is different. And, you know, given the time we're in, we have to mention COVID-19 because, of course, that has impacted literally everything, even breastfeeding. So we don't yet have a lot of data to unequivocally answer questions like, does the coronavirus get passed through breast milk? But so far, based on what we know, it does not seem likely that the virus can be transmitted through breast milk. So the CDC is not discouraging breastfeeding at this time. But close and frequent contact with a baby, if you have or suspect you have COVID-19, it could cause a baby to become infected. So for that reason, if you are breastfeeding and have symptoms of or confirmed COVID-19, the CDC recommends taking these steps to avoid spreading the virus to your baby. So number one, wash your hands before touching your baby. Number two, wear a cloth face covering if possible while feeding at the breast. Number three, if you're pumping, wash your hands before touching the pump or bottle parts and clean all parts after each use. And lastly, remember that COVID or no COVID, always talk about any breastfeeding issues, supplements, or strategies with your doctor to make sure that they're appropriate for your medical history and that of your baby. For example, you'll see several different herbal supplements recommended online, and it's important to make sure that they don't interact with any medications you're taking or conditions that you have uh, before you actually start taking them. So that brings us to our physician mom hack of the week. And, you know, staying on topic here, we wanted to give you some hacks or some ideas for lactation cookies, smoothies, and other foods that you can make at home to increase your milk supply. So my personal favorite actually has always just been simple, a bowl of oatmeal every morning. Um, and that that helped me to maintain my supply. Um, and then, of course, chocolate chip lactation cookies. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yes. Yeah. Right after the oatmeal. <laughs> Some chocolate chip cookies. Um, so there are tons of recipes online for lactation cookies. So how do you know which ones to try? So here's our advice. Look for recipes that have the following ingredients. So one, old-fashioned rolled oats. So not quick or one-minute oats, but sort of the old-fashioned rolled oats. 
two brewer's yeast and three flaxseed. So again, as Lisa said, check with your doctor just to make sure that things like flaxseed don't interact with any medications that you're taking. Um, but if you are making cookies, um, a really fun tip um, just to make things easier for yourself, you can actually make the dough in bulk and then just scoop out spoonfuls onto a baking sheet. Put that baking sheet into the freezer for two or three hours and then just kind of scrape those spoonfuls off into a freezer safe Ziploc bag or covered bowl and keep them in the freezer. So whenever you need them, you can pop them into the oven. And that's great because, you know, it's not like you make cookies once and you eat them once and that your supply is great after that. <laughs> but um, sort of that ongoing um, uh, sort of supplementation with the um, with these ingredients may help your supply um, as you continue throughout your breastfeeding journey. So we'll include recipes in the show notes at HippocraticHost.com for cookies and for smoothies as well. So thank you so much for listening. We always appreciate the time you take out of your day to spend with us. Um, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter where we're at Hippocratic Hosts. And we would be forever grateful if you would subscribe to the show and review us in Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much and have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Health at Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. Remember that all views expressed here are our own, not our employers. And all content is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice nor the establishment of a doctor-patient relationship. Always consult your own physician or healthcare team for any medical issues. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us, subscribe, and tell a friend. And check out our website at www.hippocratichosts.com for show notes on this and all our episodes. Can't wait to chat with you next time.